Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the United States Sports Show Lacrosse Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina, and joining me, as always, is Dairy Field AD and boys lacrosse coach Chris Hetler. Chris, how you doing? Joe, like you said earlier, battling through a little seasonal depression right now, wishing for some 70 and 80 degree weather that maybe we'll get next week. But man, is it just uh, spring and, and late winter is just keeping its grips on I'm, New England I'm, right now. I am holding out hope for Thursday that, that, that we will get some nice weather. I think it's supposed to be, at least in the southern part of the state here, um, I, I think it's supposed to be nice. But yeah, I, I it's I, as I told you when we, we came in today, uh, it is so tough to get up on a gray, rainy day uh, and just get stuff done. I, I am I am dragging today. We were in the Hooksit bubble <laughs> today, and we had to go in there, and the middle row of lights was out. So not only was oh, it dreary oh, and oh. raining outside, but we were inside in a dark, cold dome. And, uh, yeah, I know, cry, cry for Dairy Field that they had to be inside in a dome. But uh, it was not, not an ideal situation today. Well, right now we are, uh, it's a little bit brighter in here as we're, we're once again at the, uh, the Backyard Brewery and Kitchen in Manchester. Uh, I want to give them a, uh, a big thank you for, uh, for letting us do this the last couple of weeks. They've been, uh, been pretty awesome about uh, getting everything set up for us and, and, and coordinating everything. So uh, thanks to them. They've been great. If you're looking for a place to go uh, to have a nice night out, absolutely visit the Backyard Brewery here in, uh, in Manchester. We, we yeah. appreciate their hospitality. And, uh, of course, you can send us uh, questions and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. Give us a follow on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at nhhsports. Uh, and, of course, you can listen to the show every Thursday morning at nh-highschoolsports.com. And the uh, ninth space... No. Let's try that again. The United States Sports Show is proudly sponsored by Prolax Customs. Located in Bedford, Prolax Customs wants to make your stick as unique as the way you play the game. It is the place to go in southern New Hampshire for custom-dyed lacrosse heads. Or guys, if you are in need of six-stringing, uh, uh, they are the ones you want to uh, talk to. To learn more, visit them online at ProlaxCustoms.com, and you can find them on Facebook and Instagram or email ProlaxLacrosse at gmail.com. And uh, if you'd like to join Prolax Customs as a sponsor of the show, you can by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com for more information. Joe, the reed's getting better and better each week. We got through <laughs> stick stirring this week. Uh, you know what? I didn't have to do the reed, so I'm not going to say too much, but uh, I've already said I, enough this season yeah. about Prolax Customs. Uh, you know, if you are looking for stick stringing, you want your stick dyed, you know where to go. <laughs> Uh, and finally, if you, uh, you haven't signed up for a Sports Insider Lacrosse Membership Plus yet, uh, you've got until this Sunday, May 8th, to do so. Uh, this is the last week that you're able to sign up and guarantee getting the 2020 Lacrosse Yearbook. So go to the website, click on the Membership tab at the top of the page to learn more and sign up for your membership. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're going to get all those taken care of, um, largely so I know how many yearbooks I need to plan on and, and who we need to get to. Uh, before the end of the season um, as we're, we're, we're hard to believe that we're in the middle I, this is pretty much the midpoint of the, the mid season here. It's the midpoint most yeah. teams have played eight games at this point and uh, you know we're sort of at that midpoint of the season most teams are playing 16 to 18 games so you've kind of reached that midpoint of the season come on people let, let's get signed up here help Joe out let's get him out to your field let's get him out covering your games uh, sign up for the yearbook I'm telling you right now you won't regret it so uh, another interesting thing I want to mention, too, before we really get into uh, to what we we're going to talk about today. Uh, you know, I, I've been asked by a couple of people here, uh, just curious, you know, nothing 
um, beyond that, you know, do you st- are you still doing a newsletter? And and to be honest, I've been bad about getting newsletters out, um, trying to give updates. I you know I give updates in a lot of places on social media. I feel like, um, but yeah, I was I was gonna go uh, put together a newsletter for this week with some stuff that's been going on. And I use uh, you know we we set this up. You know, I, what is it now? It's almost seven years ago when we first uh, switched over to the membership-based site. Um, you signed up for a free MailChimp account, um, you know, just to, to get started. And I I, uh, I logged into it yesterday and got a message right away. You can no longer send emails because you have too many people signed up for your newsletter. So apparently with the free membership, you only – or free uh, – uh, newsletter, you can only have a certain number of people signed up to send to. So that's something I got to figure out over the next couple of weeks. So I feel like that's a good problem to have. I, it's though. a good, it is a good problem to have. Although uh, I apologize to everyone that was looking for a newsletter to, to kind of update them on what's going on. You'll just have to keep listening to the podcast and uh, and checking out social media and, and the website. So a uh, little update on that. Uh, any any other thoughts before we get uh, we get rolling into things this week? No, just want to reiterate that, you know, we talked last week about, you know, if you want to get your team coverage, uh, you know, signing up for a membership is a great way to do it. You know, we, we Joe kind of talked about the, the fact that, you know, kind of like when he was at the Nashua Telegraph, right, we have a regional area that, that they want to cover. And, uh, you know, he takes care of his members. So if you take care of him, he's going to take care of you as a member. We're going to get your program coverage. Uh, on the podcast here, we like to talk about everybody, but uh, I will I will tell you, um, if you sign up as a member, he's going to take care of you, and your program's going to get recognized. So get out there and do it. Last chance, last call. <laughs> All right, before we get into uh, to games, uh, I want to go over uh, once again this week's uh, coaches poll because uh, it was a little bit of an interesting one um, because of what happened on this past Saturday. We talked about last week. Uh, I was initially going to call it Super Saturday, but then I remembered that was what we called the championship weekend Although it's not Super Saturday this year, Super Sunday. Super but Sunday. Anyway, anyway, so I call it Out of State Saturday uh, because you had the top three programs on the boys' side uh, playing out of state competition. All challenging yep. themselves. You had Pinkerton hosting Hingham, uh, Exeter going to Acton Boxborough, and Bishop Girton going to to Bryant to play Staples out of Connecticut. Arguably, three of the best top teams in New England. Right. Um, right. At, at the state and national level. Yeah. Um, and we talked last week about what would be the ideal record. We figured three and zero would be icing on the cake. Two and one would be pretty good. One and two was maybe most likely, and that's what we got. You had uh, Exeter hanging on for a one goal win over Acton Boxborough, which is which is really a, a huge win for the state. I mean, Acton Boxborough coming into this year, you know, they they were a strong team. They returned a lot of seniors this year. They were kind of, I think they kind of circled some teams in New Hampshire, kind of feeling like maybe there was some blood in the water that they could get some teams this year and sneak ups on some teams. And uh, Pat Amandalee, a good friend of mine down at Acton Boxborough, he, he chose the wrong team to, to schedule there. Well, he, he tried to tried to sneak up on Exeter, and Exeter got him. Well, and and because of, uh, probably because of that, I would think that, uh, I mean, because they have to play at Bishop Girton in uh, a week from next Tuesday. So... He's he really like you said he's taken on some of the, the he's the taken top, on some of the top teams he the, challenged uh, yeah. he challenged his kids which yeah. which will serve him well in the MIA tournament down there in Massachusetts because I mean obviously it's it's a meat grinder down there so you know playing a challenging schedule will help him but I I think he thought maybe he was going to catch some of these New Hampshire teams in a down year um, and you know uh, Coach Brewster and the and the boys got it done this weekend yeah. there. 
So with that, with Exeter winning and BG losing, uh, I wondered, uh, you and I were texting a little bit, you know, is it, is it possible that Exeter could overtake Probably BG? Probably the closest poll you've had in a while. I mean, this is the first time since the final poll of 2019 when, you know, D1 champion Pinkerton was the number one team. First time since then that BG hasn't been a unanimous number one. Didn't get so you're didn't saying they didn't all, get every single didn't get all the first place votes. You had we had we had four defectors, uh, myself included, that put Exeter at number one this past week, and you know I I will say, did I think that Exeter was going to beat BG on Tuesday of this week? I thought it would have taken a, a, a almost perfect game. Um, but I thought, you know, wh- why not? Let's put them. Let's put them on top. Let's see if something different can happen. Change the storyline a little bit, uh, at least for us. <laughs> and based on their play early in the season, they they, they kind of earned, right? earned it, right? Yeah, they, they were yeah. undefeated. I mean, right? I I they... certainly wasn't expecting uh, what they've been able to do, and they've been very impressive. And now seeing them live, um, I, I'm just I'm I'm still impressed, despite you know the the loss that they took uh, on Tuesday. Um, you know, I got to see them live when we scrimmaged them earlier this year, and I was extremely impressed. Um, you know, Coach Brewster has a, a really deep group. Um, you know, obviously Aiden Drunzik, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about him as the, as the broadcast goes on. But I'm just – at every level, they're just really solid. They, do, they don't have a lot of holes. They don't make mistakes. And um, they do like to play fast. And as we get into this game, we can kind of talk about how maybe that – help them at times and then other times hurt them in that game against BG but it's a team that is not afraid like they're gonna they're gonna come at you and um, you know they've got the defense they've, they've got the offense to do it and uh, that's the way they're playing right now and that's how they got bo- acting Boxborough I mean, you know and in that game you mentioned Drunzik, uh five goals and an assist in that game um, and then just looking at some of the scoring but you it's know, not just an Aiden Drunzik show no it's not um, you know Gavin Lechner with three goals and three assists against acton Boxborough. Owen Williams, two goals and one assist. Uh, Adam Neal, Matt Denman, uh, Marshall Lazowitz, um, all getting on this in the in the the scoring column. Um, you know, the recap I saw didn't mention saves or anything, but I mean, you you heard that um, that they were pretty that um, Tapman Tapman Ryan Tapman had a good game against Acton Boxborough. They're they're they've got a good problem to have. It was kind of the situation that I had last year with with three goaltenders that are all playing in college. You know. Tatman and Burnich are, are playing really well. They're alternating them in big games. Um, they're they're both they're both living up to the billing. And um, you know it may be a situation where down the road, you know they're alternating halves. That I, w- I will tell you from experience that is not an easy thing to do. Um, but it's it's a great situation for them that they have two goalies that they can rely on. And you know maybe when one day if a guy's not having a good day, well you know you can go to the bench early. Right, it's, and, it, and do that. It's not easy to come into games cold, whether it's at halftime or, or I don't know if I should make this dig or not, or in double overtime of a hockey game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and then you look at um, Pinkerton too. You know, I know they they came up short against Hingham, um, but you look at some of the numbers from that game, and they're kind of um, their key guys having big games in that one too. Ryan Lynch with three goals in that. Uh, Riley Spellman, two goals and assists. Michael Uber, a goal and two assists. Um, really know, impressed. Pretty- you know, we, we talked, you know, Riley Spellman is, is not 100% right now. Just really impressed that he's on the field contributing the way that he is. Um, you know, and then, yeah, the, the stars are rising up from them. 
uh, you know, Cole Frank continues to have just an outstanding year. Um, you know, we know about J.J. Murphy, and we know he's one of the premier faceoff guys in D1, but Cole Frank is quickly ascending and, and making a name for himself um, if people didn't already know who he was before this. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, 24 faceoffs and one against Nashua North. Um, he was 17 of 25 against, against Hingham, arguably the number one team in Massachusetts right now. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, and and it's um, you know you mentioned the Acton Boxborough with a challenging schedule, but we talked about this at the beginning of the year. Pinkerton really stepped up and, and challenged themselves too. Um, you know they've got Sauhegan on Friday, uh, but then they host Medfield um, at at Pinkerton Saturday night, seven o'clock game. Um, you know that should be another great one. And then it gets it's still a pretty tough schedule the rest of the way. Exeter and BG still on there. Um, I believe they still have. They're playing Algonquin uh, Regional this year. They Pinkerton is arguably playing the top three teams in the divisions of Massachusetts. Longmeadow, <laughs> traditionally traditionally a top team in, in Division three, or uh, I'm sorry, in Division two. Hingham D- Division one, Medfield Division three. Um, they got St. John's on that schedule too. Um, they they scheduled arguably you know four of the perennial top four teams in, in various divisions right, in, in right. Massachusetts this year. I mean, so Coach Goudreau did not back down from any well, challenge, and and they still got they got Exeter in in, uh, in BG and then the and, well and then another game against Londonderry too, who they only beat ten nine uh, you know uh, about ten days ago. National uh, South on the schedule. Uh, yep, yeah, yeah. So no, uh, not an easy schedule for Pinkerton at all. And it could, you know, it could potentially throw a bit of a monkey wrench into the standings. I mean, let's say, let's say they do drop uh, quite a few of those games. I mean, we've um, already talked about due to the unbalanced schedule. If Pinkerton drops, if they if they lose, let's say they lose four or five games, they could potentially all of a sudden become a five or a six seed. And and you know, could that, you that, imagine could how you? how an, how annoyed would you be if you're Nashua South or Londonderry? You finally get a top four seed, and your your reward is to play Pinkerton in the first round, in the opening <laughs> round. Um, all right, well, not we, an ideal situation. <laughs> no, not at all. All right, we kind of we kind of beat around this for for a little bit here, but let's get into that Exeter BG game. And um, I don't, you know what? Let's just start with with what pr- everybody's probably seen at this point. Um, the uh, that game specifically, uh, Aiden Drunzik getting and 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 our our friend nick anastas at friday night lights him and his crew uh very deservedly getting some uh, recognition uh probably i don't know you can't think of anything better than being a, a sports center top 10 sports highlight. center top 10 number three <laughs> number three uh, yeah on, on number three in the top play <laughs> not top plays of the day making national news um you know it do, it doesn't get a lot better than that for new <laughs> hampshire there um, I mean, I guess, you know, if you're Exeter and you have to lose, well, you know, you had a highlight and you got to make national news. BG, probably not the way you want to make national news, no, no, but they no, got the win right? in the yes, end of the day. So, you know, how how upset can you be at that point? I mean, it's it definitely worthy, too. If you watch that. Oh, yeah. Watch oh, that, unbelievable. I mean, yeah. In a game like that, first of all, as you said, great camera work by FNL. Yeah. Uh, so to, to make it there. But then just the incredible, incredible fake he puts on. The two defenders that bit on the fake, and then for him to be able to smoothly transition out of that fake right into a shot, and the placement of that shot—I mean, it, it was incredible. The placement. I'm wondering. I mean, so I, I told you this before we started. I didn't see the full, fully what happened until I saw that clip. You know, when I got home after the game, because from my vantage point, I was near midfield, on the opposite side of the field, looking back through traffic. 
I saw the shot, the the real shot, and the goal, and I saw Drunzik fall over, and I just assumed he got somebody hit him because there were guys close to him. Um, I couldn't see the the actual fake itself, um, and I wonder too if if you know, as much as maybe he lost his balance there, do you think there was a little bit of oh my god, I can't believe I just did this, <laughs> you know, and just just in the excitement of the moment. Uh, uh. Knowing knowing Aiden, I, I do actually believe that's something that he, he has practiced. Now, do, do you script it exactly like that? No, but to be able to, I think he knew exactly what he was doing on that. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure he's been in that exact situation, in that exact <laughs> spot, but I, I've seen him in indoor and other places throw fakes like that and get guys to bite on that. So I think he had a plan in his head. I'm not sure he it it went exactly as he thought it would, but um, you know, it turned into a, a beautiful work of art. It probably, it probably turned out. I would guess it turned out better than maybe he thought he thought it would before you're you're trying. You know, let's see how this goes. And yeah, um, but I mean that that game overall, I came away. I mean, I already kind of thought that Drunzik was maybe the top senior um, offensive player in the state. Um, fully convinced of that now i mean he's he's going to play what umass amherst next year um just a clear cut all american yeah i mean if there was any doubt after watching that game i mean i i I don't know if there's any doubt in my mind there there is no doubt in my mind that he he is a clear cut all he's one of our seven all americans this year yeah um you know and and but i think the encouraging part for exeter is that they they have had so many other guys step up i i said it from the time we scrimmaged them that they're just an extremely well-balanced team and they don't have a lot of holes. They play well together. Um, you know, I was texting with longtime coach uh, Jerry Holly yesterday during the game, and he said that he had the same observations I did. That they they really work well together as a team. They have a lot of they have a lot of chemistry. It's not just one guy isolating and and trying to get a shot off. They're they're working they're working well together as an offense right now. Uh, the other guy that really stood out in my mind for Exeter uh, was, was, you know, the guy that we mentioned a little bit earlier, Ethan Burnage uh, in goal. Um, man, he just stood on his head early in that game. Uh, and, and, you know, looking at the, the scoring too, BG had a pair of, you know, dare I say fluky goals in that first half where and there one was went off a defense. One, one, one was a pass that looked like it got deflected and one, I'm not entirely sure what happened. I think someone ran in front of the goal as the shot was coming in, and that maybe distracted him just enough that that the ball kind of just ricocheted off him. Um, but but he had, I mean, he was a large as as much as you know Drunzik, uh scoring kept them in the game early in the in the first half. I think Burnich in goal um, was was maybe the most important it, thing. It there. felt to me a lot like last year's championship game, similar similar right, yeah, similar yeah. copy where like okay, you knew you weren't going to win a lot of the faceoffs. You had to make stops in the defensive end. You had to be efficient on offense. Um, you know, and I think the only thing I think the only thing that uh, you know, Coach Brewster and them have to decide is like you had like if you're going to beat a good team, you got to be aggressive. But you know, how much are you going to want to play fast, and how how fast can you play, knowing that if you turn the ball over and it leads to goals for BG, you're probably it, they're almost playing make it take it at that point, right? With JJ at the at the at the faceoff X, so you know that'll be an interesting adjustment as they as they look towards the playoffs. Like, how do they keep that aggressive edge, but yet be be smart enough and disciplined enough? 
you know, I think there was a there was a situation right before halftime where I think I think it was six four, they were man up and they had an opportunity yeah. to yep. hold the ball right and get possession in the second half and instead turn the ball. Well, not it, it, they it, turned it, the no they did they turned, they turned it over. over they turned the ball yeah. over and it ended yeah. up being a man up face off and now you don't get possession. In the it was half. it was a couple of things in that situation too. You're right. They went <clears throat> they were down six two. They scored a goal six three and then on the 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 fourth goal. There, um, BG drew a penalty or took a penalty. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought they had a chance to, to get that to six five there, but when they didn't, when they didn't, you got to kind of realize that you you maybe just they didn't just turn it over and lose the opportunity there. BG went down and had a chance, and and Burnish had to make another save, and I actually thought that they had got Exeter. I mean, had got the ground ball before the end of the half, but I guess they didn't because obviously there was the face off. Um, and so that's like in a game like that, like you know, I, I like Coach Brewster's mindset. Like you have to be aggressive, you have to go after the team. You can't you can't sit on your heels because they're gonna have they're gonna have guys and BG. I mean that that probably is more the story of the game is that you know that their depth ended up wearing down Exeter in the second half. So you do have to take some risks, you have to take some chances. But in that situation, you know. Um, would it have been a wiser choice to to maybe you know say okay if we don't have the look we want we're gonna we're gonna hold the ball make sure we have possession going in the second half knowing that we played really well in the first half and, and give our defense a little bit of rest at that point yeah I mean just in general that might have they they maybe needed to do a little bit more of that at times you know not to say that they can't score goals but you know when you're you know I think I think faceoffs were like BG had like 26 out of 30. Yeah. Uh, something like that. You can't turn them over every single time. You can't make the save every single depend. time. As well as Burnish yeah. played, you're not going to depend. And and you know whether it's Burnish, whether it's Tapman, you're not. You know, good goalies still get beat. Yeah, yeah. And then you add in the the transition that BG was able to get into in that second half, and it all of that just kind of adds up into what I think we saw. Um, so I guess the big thing, and, and and Coach Cameron talked a little bit about this after the game. Is how does he, you know, how do they, how does he get his guys to not look at that and think, okay, well, seventeen ten, yeah, we got, yeah. we got this, you know, I think that happened has happened a little bit to them in the past with some of those um, Pinkerton games, you know, years that they've lost to Pinkerton in the final, they obviously, you know, we we talked about that a number of times. The regular season winner usually wasn't the team that won in the final because the team that lost the regular season game makes the adjustments and continues to improve with that in mind well i think coach cameron's answer to that and what he's found over the years he's a smart coach has figured out that okay i need to really space out my out-of-state games so that i'm continuing to challenge these guys during practice and they can't become complacent he's got bc high coming up on the fifth on, on he, today, today as everybody's listening to yeah. this they're going to bc high today so quite the three-game stretch there he's got bc high he still has lasalle on the 14th He's got Acton Boxborough on the 17th, and then he added Cape Elizabeth on on the the 26th to, to, to keep his guys engaged right before the playoffs. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's a really smart move. You know, there's still he's still got Pinkerton later in, in the schedule on here. So there there is there are ways to keep motivating his guys in practice to, to keep going there. Um, yeah. Um. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, any other D1 thoughts before we, uh, well, I guess kind of our, our transition here from D1 to D2 is to look ahead to Saturday. And, uh, 
you know, probably the biggest crossover game, I think, of the year, if you will, with, with Portsmouth, Portsmouth going to Exeter. the current coaches' yeah. bowl, right? Yeah. You know, we've been saying for a while, Portsmouth's been playing great. Um, you know, I, well, I, it, talked to Co- I talked to Coach Vischer a lot, and, you know, he, he's even said, like, yeah, we're playing really well right now, but it's been tough because we haven't played the hardest schedule. And so, you know, when, when you don't, it's, it, it's hard to keep your starters in the game, and it's hard to keep them motivated. He's really circled this Exeter game as an opportunity to really challenge his kids, see where the, see where they're at, um, and you know, given the fact we we said like there are coaches that that are saying like hmm, you know, like D 2s got some really good programs. Does Portsmouth belong in the top three? Well, they've got their opportunity this week well, right, to kind of see like can, yeah, can they knock them off? How close can they stay? Um, you know, based on everything that Portsmouth's done, they're a legitimate top four team right now. Well, they are. I mean, they've been. They've been the number four. I mean, it's uh, some people have said that there's a top three, clear top three. I'd say there's a clear top four. Portsmouth has been that number four team for most of the year. I don't, I don't remember week one, but it might have been all that. They might have been four to start the year. Um, I think, yeah. I think Nashua, uh, was Nashua South or did, or did Portsmouth? Is Portsmouth? I don't. I honestly don't remember. It might have even been Derryfield. I don't. I don't remember who was. Who was four to maybe London area? I can't remember who was four to start the year. I don't I'd have to go back. They've been look. pretty close, but they've been pretty close. Right, and, right. Um, but you know, but they've done nothing. They've done nothing to show to, otherwise that they don't that they don't belong there. Um, I'm just yeah. That game, I, I you know, it's at Exeter Saturday afternoon. I plan on making the drive out there. Um, save been saving up my money all week to to get some gas, and uh, I think it's going to be. Uh, I, I I hope it's going to be a really good one. I think. You know where where it'll be interesting to see is, um, I, I mean, start with faceoffs. You know, Portsmouth has a really good faceoff guy. Uh, Nick Smith, thank Nick you, Smith thank will you. Give them a chance. Nick Smith will give them a chance on every faceoff uh, to keep the, to give them an opportunity to get it down in the offensive end. You know, Coach Fisher and I talked earlier today. I, th- I think he knows that uh, Exeter wants to play fast, right? And and they've got some really really aggressive, strong defensemen. And they're going to challenge Portsmouth's attackmen, um, and they're, they're. I can't imagine that they don't press out. I think they're going to want to dictate the tempo. I don't think that they're going to allow Portsmouth to just pass the ball around the horn. Um, you know, so those guys, guys like Dylan Ralphs, Mike O'Neill, uh, Keegan Delisle, they're going to have to play the game of their life. Like if, if they're going to upset Exeter, those guys are going to have to handle the ball. They're going to have to win one-on-one matchups. And you know, and then and then guys like like Dom Maldary, right? Great two-way midfielder, plays excellent defense. He's going to have to create some things in transition. Um, Zach Amend, who you know had a great uh, freshman year last year, he's going to have to do some things. He's going to have to be special as a sophomore. That's a big ask as a, as a sophomore to you know playing against arguably the the one one B of New Hampshire right now. <laughs> like that that's a big step up for them. Um, Keegan Myers, great defensive midfielder. He's gonna ha- he's gonna have to you know really step it up there. And then their defense, which you know we we know they've got a pretty good, they've got pretty good defense. Max Brown at LSM, um, they're you know and their goalies whether whether it's Skyler Michaelitis or or Nathan Amen and goal, they're gonna have to have a day. Um, so, but I think it's fun. Embrace the role of being an underdog, right? Who um who do you think Portsmouth will try to put on Drunzik to, I mean, or is it is it do you just rotate guys on him maybe? I, I think you rotate guys. I think you I think you start obviously you start with your top guy, and then and then you you know, 
I wouldn't be surprised if Peter Wool started on them. Um, after that, I think I think it's you see how you see how your top guys doing, and then you know can you can you keep fresh legs on can you keep fresh legs on them? Portsmouth has a lot of really good athletic defensemen, so I think it's I think it's they will have the ability to kind of throw guys at Drunzik. But when Drunzik's playing at his at his best, um, you know it's tough. He's going to draw a slide, and then there's going to be guys open off ball. So they're going to have to play really really good team defense. Um, other uh, some other big games in D two. Obviously, we got to can't can't let you go without talking about the uh, the Winnicott game. Um, you guys, first off, come off a, a big win last Friday against Wyndham, um, really just shutting down what had been a potent offense uh, through the first six games of the year. Um, what and then of course the the second time you played Winnicott already this year. Uh, you look at both games. Coach three, Snow three asked goal me games. in the beginning of the season, "Do you want to just split both games?" And and I told <laughs> him no. And of course, we end up splitting both games. I mean, not only did you split them, but it's the goal differential is zero. So you guys are even goal wise. <sighs> I guess we're gonna have to play in the playoffs. Then we'll decide. <laughs> we'll decide in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, no, uh, really, really fun game yesterday. Uh, Coach Snow's group played great. Um, you know, they they're playing a very physical brand of lacrosse right now. Um, they they brought it to us uh, and we didn't respond until too late and um, you know hats off to them um, you know I thought Nash Kelly played an incredible game in net made some really big saves for them um, you know uh, I, I thought uh, Nico Zeno did a really good job on defense you know he was one of the guys that we highlighted in the beginning of the year as potentially being a, a, one of the top defensemen uh, he, in Division 2 yeah. um, he showed up big time yesterday Sean Wolves had a good game yesterday um, you know and they're, they're playing they're, they're peaking they're, they're doing a, they're doing a good job of, of getting things rolling they're they, they started with a nice win over over uh, St. Thomas and then they've kept they've kind of kept things going yeah yeah you know you mentioned those two guys on defense for Winnicott and it's not often that you you know I mean offense it's hard to not pay attention to because it's it's what scores the goals or what gets a lot of the the highlights uh, but those two guys defensively for Winnicott are are fun to watch um, you know I, I think Nico's probably one of the best athletes in the division if not the, the entire state um, and handles the ball yeah. really well in yeah, transition. He's, he's got speed. He's got toughness. Um, just yeah, and, and then um, you just mentioned his name, and now I'm I'm drawing a blank on it already. Uh, for Winnicott kind of position, de- defense. Sean Wolves. Yes, thank you. Um, you know, watching him uh, la- in last week's game uh, against Timberlane. Just, I mean, he went to work on on uh, Ethan Gary and and did a pretty good job on him. Um, you know, just sticking with him, um, and I've I've been really impressed with what he's done in the games I've saw him play this year. Yeah, I mean they're they're very aggressive defensemen that get out on hands. They they throw a lot of hard, heavy checks, and uh, it's very disruptive. It can be it can be really disruptive to an offense there. So, um, you know, they're going to be a team to contend with. Uh, at, well, obviously, as we've reached the midpoint and and throughout the rest of the season there. Um, so that'll be an interesting, you know, when they, they, they've got some big games coming up that there's a, a clash between them and Wyndham coming up. Um, I'm sure Wyndham's going to want an opportunity to, to kind of show that, you know, okay, we had a setback against Airyfield. You know, what can, what can we do going forward there? Um, and, again, a, a team that, yes, we, we beat and, and the score looks 
you know, pretty good for us. Um, but that that's a team with a lot of potential that, um, you know, is probably going to get better and better as the season goes along. I, through no fault of their own, they, they did not have the most challenging schedule in the beginning of the season. And so, you know, they they weren't as prepared as some of the other teams, I would say, that have, that have played some uh, harder teams in the beginning of the season. Well, they're, they're about to get their, their, uh, get their yeah, challenge we, we next, you know, that. coming yeah. up over the next, you know, they've been off since, that, since last Friday. They play again this Friday at home against St. Thomas. As you mentioned, Monday of next week, they go to Winnicott to play there. And then, uh, and then they really get it. They they come home and play next Wednesday against Portsmouth. So three straight games there. Getting you're gonna find the, you're gonna yeah, find out. Like if learn they, a lot if they if they can if they go if they if they win two out of those three games, <laughs> then you know they're back. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that's I think that would be a goal for them is to try I mean, and win two out of those three games. Even if they go, they drop all three in their close games and competitive right. games. Right. I think that tells you a lot. Right. And then all of a sudden they become a team that. You no, no one wants to see. Yeah, you want to see them, yeah, right? Exactly. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. You know, I, I will. I again. You know, we. I really enjoyed it. The, the it was my birthday on Friday, and the kids <laughs> did a nice job of getting me a win on my birthday. Yeah. I really appreciate that, and it was a it was a great win. But uh, I walked away with a lot of respect for for Wyndham and what what they have uh, on their team there. You know, Alex Ryan, tremendous player. Um, you know, and, and it's not just Alex Ryan. They have a lot of other guys that are capable of, of playing well. We just happened to play very well that day. Uh, you know, on the flip side or, or, or looking at another t- a team on the opposite spectrum of, of Wyndham, um, a team we talked about uh, quite a bit earlier in the year, Hollis Brookline. Um, they're a team that, that had a tough schedule to start the year and then added on some injuries on top of that. Um, and they've had... A, a pretty rough go of it of late, dropping some close games to some tough teams. Um, and they have a game coming up on Monday that when you look at the standings and, and the rest of the games going ahead, maybe not a game that you would have said it in the preseason that was one to, to look at, but it, it could be coming up Monday. They, they, they host um, Alvern, who, you know, don't look now, but Alvern, I think, uh, at last look, was, was uh, a 500-team 4-4 four and four right in the middle of the playoff picture Al- Alvern's definitely in Alvern's definitely in the mix um you know I, for Hollis it's huge like they they've got you know they're sitting right now they traditionally to make the playoffs in division two you've needed at least five if not six wins if you fall below six wins it gets it gets really dicey and you know we we're at the we're at the eight we're at the they've played eight, eight games. We've played eight games, yeah. right? So you've only got eight left. So you've got to, and they've got one yeah. win. So you've yeah. got to win at least five of your final eight games left there. Um, so, and but you know what? I, I had an opportunity. Uh, Coach Dom and I got together. Um, you know, about a week ago, we had an opportunity to sit down. I still think you know he he is super positive with uh, with the outlook of his team. He knows the talent that he has there. Um, he is all in. Um, he's going to continue to give his team the, the best opportunity each week in each game that they play. They're they're a team that again you they're by record you look at it and you're like oh they're not very good no they're they're a good team and they they continue to put up goals. Um, you know they had a great game with with Goffstown. Obviously they dropped it disappointing. Goffstown's a team on the rise right now. Um, guys like Ethan Hansen and T.J. Smittick for them at, at, at over at Goffstown are playing really well right now, putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, you know that that's a team we haven't talked a lot about that that's getting better and better um, and getting healthy. 
and they're they're going to be a team that you know we got to look out for for the playoffs too. Well, yeah, you mentioned that um, Hollis actually beat Goffstown to open the season in their first meeting, and then lo- the, the seven losses that they've had since, three of them are against Division One teams. You know, in, in Sauhegan, Bedford, and Merrimack. It's not like they didn't challenge no, themselves. No. They, they put some D1 teams on the schedule to try and challenge themselves yeah. there. So that, that game, um, you know, really an interesting one. Um, one. One that I, you know, I kind of wish Coming I could. Coming into the season, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have expected. Well, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Now, now it's like if you can get to that game, it, it's one worth it's, watching. It would be an interesting one to watch, yeah. Um, unfortunately, we're, we're getting to the point where I, I've been going through schedules, and now I feel like things are, th- you know, Schedules are getting changed like constantly. Um, like look at you know look at BG Exeter on Tuesday. That was initially a four o'clock game. All of a sudden, I'm on Instagram Monday night, and I see six o'clock. I'm like, oh well, I guess I got to rearrange uh, rearrange that. It seems to be happening a lot. So um, I will tell you as an AD, as an AD, there's a lot of things going on. There's official shortages and and bus. You know, we I'm sure anybody who followed basketball or football during the fall or soccer or whatever it was know that this is it's not a problem that that has crept up on anybody it's it's been an issue here we had uh actually our first game of the season against Winnicunit. uh we had yeah. to move to 4 30 because of because of bus issues um, i was very was, glad for that because i was running a little <laughs> bit late i showed up at 355 and saw there was still a half hour on the clock i went "Ooh, that must be my lucky day <laughs> so it's been a cha- it's been a challenge for everybody right now um but yeah so that that one that's a big one there um you know, Joe. I know. I know we're talking about Division Two right now, but uh, I've been looking for updates in Division One right now. There's a big game with Sauhegan and Bedford going on right now. That uh, a it's, it's seven forty-five right, right now. now. Yeah. Uh, I still have not gotten a final score there, but that that's one that we need to keep an eye on. That that could have potential for. Uh, I haven't seen on that one, but but there is another game. Not not quite as. Uh, I think one of these teams is on the outside looking in right now, but. Uh, um. We're on the outside looking in right now, um, but Merrimack and Dover are playing at the same time too. Last update I saw from that was three-two Merrimack at halftime. Um, again, it, it's it's there. You know, we talked last week. I think about the big middle of Division Two. Dover really and, impressed and me. Seven. They they only lost seven-five to Bedford. Yeah. Like they're you know, Coach Coach Liam's got he's got his kids playing hard right now. There's there's a group I, I would say Merrimack, Dover, Bedford, Sauhegan. Concord, Salem, all have a shot there in that Division One of getting one of those spots. Hundred um, percent. I would say like six through nine. Three of those teams are, are going to be playoff team, or you know, four of those teams. Sorry, I had to I had to pause for a moment to to count on my fingers. Um, you know, j- just to, to figure out who's going to or how many of those teams are going to get in. Um, the other the other game that's going on right now as we're doing this is uh, is Bedford Portsmouth girls that I've not seen another update from but um the last i the last i saw it was 10 10 going to overtime wow I will have, I'll, I'll see if i can <laughs> uh i'll see if i can get that uh i actually the last update i got here bedford has won in overtime 11 10 wow i mean i'm not i'm not entirely stunned by that um in any way like that it was that close that it went to overtime that Bedford pulled out a one-goal win. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's great for the the girls lacrosse landscape that absolutely you know, we're 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 seeing games like yeah that. yeah especially between teams that are in different yeah. division one division two. Um, 
So yeah, let's um then wanted to get into Division Three boys a little bit. Uh, starting with um, game that I was at Monday, the the beginning of Campbell's uh, road gauntlet here uh, in the middle of the season, where um, they play five out of six games on the road. Pretty impressive start to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Four of those uh, against really the other top teams uh, in the division. They started that Monday with a 19 to eight win over Trinity. That I mean, I don't know if Campbell could have played much better than they did. I guess if there was one thing to, if you you were going to nitpick, um, would be their their defense in the first half, because <laughs> Trinity didn't have a lot of opportunities. Um, I had them for seven shots. They got four goals on those seven shots, but two of those were were <laughs> yeah. Well, one of them wasn't actually even a shot. It uh, it was a an, an errant pass that kind of went between. I don't know how to describe it really between everybody if that makes sense like it went to like an open spot in front of the goal and uh and Campbell goalie uh Ryan Garrett kind of lunged for it and didn't come up with it and then the ball just kind of trickled through the crease and into the goal um so yeah just um an unfortunate break for for them I can and, tell you and, as a goalie that's the worst <laughs> <laughs> it's the absolute worst um but I mean the the performance that Campbell put on on offense in that first half. Uh, Brendan Boshi had six and five. Uh, Jack Nury, who uh, I'm going to say he only had two goals. I felt and and I think he had two goals and four assists. I felt like he had ten assists. It, you know, we talked about you know uh, guys getting hockey assists earlier in the year. I think I think he probably had a bunch of those. You know, if he wasn't making. The, the initial or the the immediate pass he was the guy setting up a lot of those plays uh, and then Andrew Wilness um, on on the uh, the receiving end of a lot of those assists he had four goals it just they're they have so many guys that can beat you on offense and and the combination of, of Nuri and and, and, and Boshi are just it's it's so much fun to watch I agree. I think they're uh, they're a really well balanced team. We said the only thing you know coming into the season that could hold them back was you know the face off circle. They seem to have that figured out right now. They're, They've got two guys that have been. Yeah. Um, give me a second. I will tell you who they are. <laughs> but I mean, just in general, they're they're scoring. They they've yet to be held under double digits in any game this season. I know teams have tried to throw zones at them. Um, you know, their closest margin of victory is five goals. Um, you know they, they seem to be hitting on all cylinders. It will be interesting. Uh, they've got they've got Hopkinson tomorrow at Hopkinson. They've got to go on the road. Then they turn around at Laconia on the ninth. You know there, there there's some challenging games coming up, but they, they seem to be clicking on all cylinders right now. Um, so the two guys that have been uh, been taking face off, they're 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 starting I guess face off guy if you will is uh, Nick Kerrigan, who didn't really take many on Monday because they were trying to get him a little bit more involved in the offense and also because Lucas Craig has stepped up and been a pretty solid face-off guy for them um, when they've needed him in there. So they're trying to mix those guys in a little bit. And from what I understand, um, ho I hope this is allowed to be to be put out there, but um, they don't ha really have a JV goalie at the moment. So Craig has stepped up and played goalie in JV games for them a little bit. Um, so just a... a that's quite the um, the all-around kind of performance from a from a young guy. 
That's a true Fogo, right? <laughs> face-off goalie off. Face-off goalie off. He takes the face-off, passes the ball down, and then turn around. And then turns around and gives him the goal. Can, I, can I, you do that? Posi- that's a new position there. Can you new, do that? Like a you're new allowed spin to spin on Fogo. I mean, you just got to wear a chest protector, right? You got to have it. But how do you? How would you? You have to have a goalie on the field. Doesn't have to be in the cage. He just has to be on the field. You just have a fourth guy back on on defense yeah. then, right? There oh. you go. I mean, these are the kind of out-of-the-box things that maybe some people need Coach to think Knight about. Yeah. Revolutioniz- revolutionizing <laughs> the game right now. I, I love it. I'm, I'm pretty it. sure he doesn't take face-offs in the JV game. I mean, I would assume that he doesn't. But I don't know. I'm, you know, I don't, I don't watch a ton of JV games, un- unfortunately. Um, you know, but, yeah, you mentioned that, that gauntlet there and, and kind of the, the two teams that, that I mean, I, they'll Hopkinton will give them a, a great game, be a great test for them, um, especially having to go up there and play. Um, but I'm really interested to see what Laconia and then a little bit further down the road, what Plymouth, um, both teams with outstanding goalies, what Campbell's able to do against those teams. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, just to, not to belabor the point, but we, we said in the last podcast, too, that th- that would be a good litmus test for, for Hopkinton as well. You know, they, they took care of business in their first four games. They haven't, you know, they, they <laughs> we talk about most teams being at the midway point of the season. Hopkinton has only played four games of the season. They, they, again, have not been held under double digits. Their, their offense has been – or their defense has been really impressive. They've given up seven goals in four games. So, they're, you know, they're averaging under two goals a game. Um, I think, I think so Campbell had seven goals in the first quarter <laughs> the other day against <laughs> Trinity. So, so it'll, be a, it'll be a good test. Yeah, yeah. It'll be a good test for and, them. And that's, a, you know, um, unfortunate for them that, that they, they were actually supposed to play today against Campbell. That game gets moved to Thursday because then – Hopkinton has to turn around and go play at Trinity on Friday night. So um, quick turnaround for them. Um, you know, I think we, yeah, we'll, we'll find out about them, whether they are, you know, kind of that, that fourth team. I think we talked about early in the year that we, we thought Campbell, Plymouth, and Laconia were going to be the definitely the three teams to kind of beat um, or, or to be at the top of the standings there. Hopkinton could have been one of those other teams. Trinity could have been one of those other teams. Is there another team that's maybe um, flying under the radar that I think you know could jump up? And I think there is. Well, I, and I, I think I think unless I'm wrong, I think you're talking about Lebanon. Yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're th- they've got three losses on the season, but their three losses are by a combined uh, six goals. Yeah, you know, and they, they've they've lost to Trinity, Laconia, and Plymouth. They've got wins over Kearsarge, Milford, and Hillsborough Deering. Um, you know, they're they're not a team that I, I, is going to blow you away in the scoreboard in terms of putting up points, but defensively they're they're really strong. Um, they're a team that kind of wants to grind it out. They they remind me a lot of like Bedford at the D one level where they want to win a game nine seven eight six right. Like they're you know they make it uncomfortable for you as as a team. Um, you know and and like. You know, we kind of talked about, right? They're they're kind of out there, right? Like we don't know a lot of their guys. We don't get to see <laughs> yeah, a lot of their yeah, games, so they yeah. they kind of sneak up on they kind of sneak up on some teams. Well, always have good multi-sport athletes. I remember when we were in Division Three, there was always a running back on the team that was just like a bowling ball that we could never stop. Like you know, they had they they always had good athletes. Uh, well, you might get, you get you might get your chance to go see them uh, because they play later in the season at Campbell. On a Wednesday afternoon, actually a three o'clock game, so that gives you enough time, you know, uh, or me enough time to go to the game and then do something else before we're, we're recording the podcast. That gives week. you enough time. I will probably be at practice, practice that day. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, 
Yeah. Late practice. Well, actually, no, not too late because we got to do this. <laughs> um, you know, any other any other thoughts on uh, Division Three or, or just in general before we uh, before we wrap up? Well, I think I think you're going to see Plymouth. I mean, the way Plymouth is playing right now, it looks like they're going to run the table um, until May 13th, where they've got you know they're going to they they hit their showdown. They're going to have the showdown with with Campbell at that point, and they hit they hit the gauntlet. Yeah, they you know we talked about Wyndham hitting a gauntlet this week in terms of where they stack up. They they've got the 13th. They've got Campbell. They've got Trinity on the 16th, and then they've got Hopkinson on the 18th. So you're going to find out a lot about Plymouth. They've still got another meeting with Laconia the last week of the season as well. So, yeah, that's um, a lot of things left to still be figured out in Division Three, and it's going to be fun to kind of see who uh, who is able to come out on top there. But overall, I mean, you know, the landscape in all three divisions, um, you know, I think we're finding that there's a lot more competition than maybe we, we thought they were. There, yeah. were. there were some teams that we knew were going to be, you know, front runners, but... Um, all three divisions, I would say, especially Division Two right now, is pretty competitive. Um, you know, we we truly believe that that Portsmouth is the team to beat, but um, you know they're going to have the meat of their schedule coming up pretty soon, starting with Exeter this weekend, um, and then they start then they start playing some of the other teams that have kind of risen up in, in Division Two as well. Yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, I think that's going to do it for us for this week. Um, Another well, hopefully when we're doing this uh, a week from now, we will have maybe a little bit more it's color. It's supposed to be 78, yeah. 80 degrees next Wednesday. Yeah. So I'm thinking that maybe you know, if nothing else, maybe we get a wind burn you know, that day. <laughs> I'm hoping to get a little bit of sun. I, I need some. I my uh, don't want to be you know too uh, too uh, ghost white for the entire you know for for the entire summer. Got to get got to work on that tan a little bit. No, va- no vacations right no, now during lacrosse no, season. No, absolutely not. Um, all right, well, he is Dairyfield Boys Lacrosse Coach Chris Hetler. Chris, thanks again. Joe, always enjoy it, and we're looking forward to next week. All right, I am Joe Marcellina. Uh, we will talk to you next week. <laughs>